you've been a general. You're a congressman, fourth term. Fourth term. Running, running for fifth. And uh, I know you've had power, but have you ever had anything like first guest on a podcast? This is, this is uh, we like we like <laughs> leading the way and being first. Yes. And, but congratulations. I appreciate it, I wish it, you sir. tons of success. And we're honored to have you as first guest for Omapod. Well, so thank you for being here. Welcome to Omapod episode one. So excited to have you with me. This is going to be a hot one, and I'm not just referring to how I look today. I'm not just referring to the weather. I'm mostly referring to the podcast and the other two things, but this is an exclusive, incredible look inside a congressional campaign that's going to be one of the most hotly contested in the country next year. We're at headquarters with Representative Don Bacon. He goes in depth on being hacked, talks about things that have not been out in the public domain yet. Does he formally announce that he's running again? You just have to listen and find out. Um, He goes into the presidential contest. Does he endorse someone officially? You also have to listen for that. So many interesting things in this podcast today, and I'm excited to kick it off uh, in episode one. And this is going to be a daily morning podcast, not all politics, not partisan, uh, something a little different every day, I hope. Some interesting people, uh, some people you may know already that you'll learn more about and people you've never met and things going on. There's also the newsletter. If you uh, are not a subscriber, please check that out. It's free at www.omapod.com. That's omapod.com. And we uh, will be a resource for you that I hope starts your day off right five days a week. And with that said, I'd also like to thank uh, the folks at IC Adventures, Gordon, Wayne, Heidi, for our incredible launch party Friday night. If you weren't there, you're going to say you were because everyone is going to say they were there in a matter of months, but it was a special evening, and I'm so appreciative to the great folks over at the Granary, Bushwhackers. Uh, If you have an event, please check them out. It was wonderful. Uh, First-class treatment, and everyone had a great time, and, and thank you to everyone who was there. And, yeah, let's get back to Representative Don Bacon in the news right now as you've been hacked and your background obviously you dealt with i would assume some of the highest level of intelligence imaginable in the air force and on the committee i mean what what do you make of this is this scary serious is this standard what did you think when you were told about this doesn't surprise me yeah i mean i've been i was a signals intelligence officer for most of my career in the air force flying in the rc-135 where we do signals intelligence I'm very familiar with our intelligence operations worldwide. I'm very familiar with China and Russia's capabilities. And so I've always just assumed that my phone and my emails could be monitored. I mean, I was a commander in Germany, a base commander there at Ramstein. I served with General Petraeus in Iraq. I was the off-at-wing commander here with our RC-135 operations. And I was worked in the intelligence directorate at the Pentagon. I just assume I'm a target, uh, even as a military guy. Now, being on the armed services, I wouldn't. Have, it, it doesn't surprise me. Now, it does reaffirm, though, that China is an adversary. Yeah. Uh, the, the communist government, I love the Chinese, but the government is a totalitarian communist government. And 
I have no doubt I was targeted, though I'm surprised I'm the only congressman that was targeted that we know of. Maybe we'll get more information. I was going to say, is that the type of thing you start getting texts and calls from buddies, you know, wondering if you've heard anything else? Is there a big... Well, the FBI said there were other people hacked, but they didn't specify. Okay. And then I found out later it was mainly State Department and Commerce Department people and me, which is sort of odd, sort of an odd uh, grouping. Uh, But I suspect I know why. It's I'm a very strong advocate for the Uyghurs who who are being... There's genocide going on in China with you got a million Uyghurs and slave labor. They're doing forced sterilization of the women uh, there. And I think America should stand clear that what China, the Chinese government's doing, President Xi, is totally wrong. And we should just put a spotlight on it. And they don't want that, right? They want to act like they're a normal nation. And, try, and we should just ignore all that stuff. You can't ignore a million people in slave labor. And they're trying to eliminate the population, basically, this Muslim population that we know as the Uyghurs. And I've also... What they're doing with the Tibetans, yep. it's a police state. What they're doing in Hong Kong, they've stripped the freedoms away of these people that they've only known freedom as part of the British Empire. And I think we should stand firm with Taiwan. And I'm a big advocate. They, there's a $19 billion weapon backlog to them. We should be getting those weapons to them and the, the most advanced precision weapons. And why do we want to do that? We want to deter China. Uh, we don't want war, but we want to deter them. But the Chinese government knows... This is where I'm at, and I have no doubt that's why I was targeted. And probably the military background, too, I would imagine, yeah. just to send somewhat of a message, do you think, or is it yeah. entirely— they're, they're, they're sending a, a bad message because I'm not one to cower in front of this stuff. I mean, I, I'm going to work overtime to ensure China get or Taiwan gets these $19 billion weapons and more, uh, and I'm going to speak out even more on the Uyghurs and the yeah. Tibetans. Uh, so if they think this is going to silence me, it's, it's not— I'm pretty sure that's probably why I'm the one guy that was targeted. We may find out later there's more people targeted too, though. And we are recording this, but this is being released on Monday. We recorded it before, so this might be listened to in China before it's come yes. out, perhaps. <laughs> so if and if I start getting any weird uh, signals or something, I'll let you know. And so let's talk locally. Um, if you want to formally announce that you're running right here on my first podcast, I'm all for it. But I don't know if you have not officially formally announced. Well, we, we do have a big event coming up. Okay. Maybe I just will. We'll... This this I, will I, air on Monday. So I know you have a town hall. That's so there's on a Wednesday. teaser. Okay. Uh, but, I appreciate but I think it was Saturday. We got we got a, a okay. We have a big event Saturday. I gotcha. For, and so we he's we, giving me a look that well, means we'll no. see. Yes. Uh, what comes of out course. of course. And so putting on your political hat. The Nebraska Examiner reported that Democratic circles are saying there's not going to be a, a strong competitor to Tony Vargas. Mm-hmm. So let's assume Senator Vargas is yeah. is your opponent. That's the second race in a row. Just from a raw political perspective, do you go, that's good that I'm facing the same person? That's yeah. bad? What's what, how, what do you make of the contours of a second race against the same opponent? If, if you opponent? just look at Shear's raw statistics— a person who runs a second time after losing typically does about five points worse. Really? And so he, he has a probably, just on raw numbers, because people have already seen him, they made their decisions, and they tend to say, okay, you already had your shot. I think that probably the Democrats have been better off trying to find a more moderate uh, Democrat. Uh, if you look at his voting record, he's pretty left-wing, though he doesn't talk that way. So I, w- I would give him some, uh, some kudos for masking pretty effectively because when I mean, he was on Bernie Sanders, he caucused with him. Uh, he supported Kara Eastman, for example, over 
Brad Asher and Ann Ashard, the two more moderates. So if you wanted to look at where his ideological direction is, you just look at that alone. It's sort of, okay, he leans to the left. And, uh, and you can see some of the bills that he, he has proposed uh, uh, do the same. But I think uh, on one hand, uh, the voters already seen him, and, we're, and we already know uh, the t uh, where he's vulnerable. And I think, and actually, after last, this last session in the unicameral, I think even more vulnerable because you had some really radical Democrats that tried to stop all the proceedings in the unicameral. Uh, he wasn't one of the guys yelling, but he's standing right behind him, and he was voting with them. And it was his allies that were throwing the tampons on the floor that they painted red at Republicans. Did he speak up to that? Uh, what I've heard from many folks, he, he showed zero leadership of this last session, uh, tried, to, tried to be under the radar, and but he voted with Megan Hunt, Kevin on, on most of these bills. So, I mean, I frankly think I'm on stronger ground on this, on this, in that regard. Now there's, you're always vulnerable to the bigger national environment though. I was going to say, it, so I think, um, the abortion issue, I would imagine you'll yeah. see, you think, you know, the abortion something. issue plays stronger against Republicans on the coasts. Uh, Tony made a mistake last time putting all his eggs in one basket on abortion. Our, we have a per, per, we have a lot of Catholics, a lot of faith-based people in Omaha. Uh, he angered as many people as he motivated with his ads. I would say I went to a church I never been to before, and they were, I got some big applause, and that was mainly because of Tony Vargas's ads. So he motivated a, the people I didn't even know because they were so angered at his thing. So I, when when you come out so strong pro-abortion and. I mean, he has zero restrictions all the way to the moment of birth. He wants zero restrictions. Only one out of five adults are there. But he put all those eggs in that basket, and I don't think it worked. Uh, I mean, obviously it motivates some because there's some you know, very strong uh, pro-choice advocates. I got that. But we're not like the east or west coast, even though we're our larger city. We have a large faith-based We don't coast, here. actually, yeah, we, <laughs> I've been told. Yes. yes. So I would say it, it cut both ways on that. And his message you know, when I put out a message, I want it to be unifying or more, I can bring in more people. His, he motivated his base, but he also angered pe people that he necessarily didn't have to with his, his strategy there. So I don't, I, so my point would be, I think on, just on the surface, he sh most people go backwards their second time. But when you look at the national side, you got President Biden that has only 35% of the people want him to run again. He has pulled worse than any president going back to Truman other than Carter, right? That's not good for probably Tony, but then we have also President Trump on our side who also does not pull well in this district. So I would say that there's some national— It's a really interesting head, race. Head or tailwinds yeah. that we can face here that are outside of my control necessarily or Tony's control, right? And so—but I think it was just— if it's just sheer me versus Tony Vargas, not the national environment, I should pick win by more points this time. And I just base it on stats, based on this last session, based on what we were able to do and what I'm going to be able to campaign on that I wasn't able to the last cycle. So I feel in a stronger position, just 1v1. And I, I, a lot of Biden voters actually voted for me. And, uh, but I think that was more because Car Eastman ran her second time, and they knew her. And I think Tony's in the same basket as the second run. And I know you you have said publicly that uh, you have not endorsed in the presidential, but you're a Tim Scott fan. 
I would wanted to ask as far as Iowa caucus as we're kind of covering the Omaha mm-hmm. metro area. When you well, look you did a- good intel, yes. When you look ahead, <laughs> do you think the primary will get past the circus? phase into a real conversation about yeah. issues or is this going to continue on is tim scott or whomever right. a- able to break through in this environment it's hard to break through when you have you know like was it 12 candidates right now i'm not sure what the to- total number is we have some lesser known people in the in the ring too you know if i was voting today i would be inclined to vote for tim but i we have a handful of folks that i uh, i'm very close friends with mike pence i admire the man i thought he was a did a strong job as vice president and i thought he he showed character on january 6th uh, there, Nikki Haley, I've been a fan of how, I mean, she's got executive leadership experience yeah. and she's got a uh, diplomatic. She under, she was the number two diplomat for America for while under president Trump. Uh, I think uh, you look at, you know, Chris Christie, we, I, bottom line, we have a lot of good slew of candidates. Uh, and I think, you know, by the way, uh, DeSantis won by overwhelming numbers in Florida. He won democratic counties that have been won for a Republican in decades and, uh, and I'm, I'm looking for someone that could win swing voters and independent voters because you can't just win with your base. And a lot, and a lot of our guys are forgetting that. They, you know, the Republicans want one thing, but if you can't win independent swing voters, you can't win. You know, in 2020, 12% of the Republicans in District 2 voted straight Republican, but not for the top of the ticket. You can't have that and win. I right. mean, when has that ever happened before? It, well, you, maybe it goes back to Goldwater. I've looked right. at the numbers. Goldwater yeah. for District 2 is the last time you had that, uh, such a large number of Republicans that broke the other direction. Uh, you know, and they, they voted for Johnson, of all things, and Johnson uh, being a terrible president. <laughs> and and I, So I, I don't think it's a done deal in the Democrat primary. I don't think it's a done deal in the Republican primary. We have a long ways to go. That's for sure. Well, we really appreciate your time. As I said, you have a town hall on Wednesday. Right. Uh, where is that event at, if you uh, want? We're doing it Westside. Okay. And I try to do one at least once a quarter. And so, we, so yeah, we'll be doing our, our, a public town hall this, this coming Wednesday at Westside. And uh, we look forward to, and there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of things to cover. Right. Are you, do you expect a feisty crowd or not? You know, we've sure? had feisty and I thought, you're always going to have some. Yeah. You know, there's some, they're not, they're, most people, are, I've, well, I do feel bad. Some people have brought in their kids. Politics today shouldn't be a place where you, where you can't bring your kids, right? should be able to have, I think it's good for kids to be able to hear a debate and be here with the pros and cons and, and be more involved. And, and when you have, and we got some activists on both sides, right? I'm not just knocking one side, but I've had more experience, obviously, with the, the left. That, sure, I would think, that, yes. uh, that Although I'm not sure. I want yeah. one, perhaps. Well, I've had some more <laughs> yeah. on the right lately, yeah. no doubt about it. Check out the town hall Wednesday with Representative Don Bacon at Westside, and he might have a big announcement Saturday. So that's an exclusive here.